My grandma used to say, I've got a mind to dot, dot, dot. But what do we have a mind to? Any thoughts? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Terry Summers Podcast. (laughs) Hello, my friends. Today is... World Mental Health Day. Now, by the time you listen to this, it probably won't be anymore. I release it um, late on Monday night for Tuesday with Terry release. But today is October the 10th and it is World Mental Health Day. Now that sounds like and is actually a mouthful, but I'm really thrilled that we pause to take heed of our mental health. I was saying at the opening of um, of this piece as a bit of a teaser that my grandma used to say, you know, I have a mind to, and that was really just an entree into saying, I have a mind to whatever she was debating. But Today, there's a little different look at the backside of that. I have a mind um, that sometimes obsesses on certain lines of thinking that um, can prove to be anxious at times, that um, is powerful. And I know that all of our minds are really powerful and they can run the show as they should and as they do, right? But the health of them, I think, um, can be in jeopardy for so many reasons. Um, you know, in listening this morning, I was listening to some television, um, the Today Show actually, and we'll get to that because they were introducing some concepts. But, uh, you know, the pandemic has and continues to take its toll on our mental health. The ability to reconnect is slowly coming around. And because of and through World Mental Health Day, there's a provision and an opportunity to rekindle those efforts to protect and improve our mental health. And the attention that was given to it today was actually just that. Many aspects of mental health have been challenged. I mean, that's a fact. And really, already before the pandemic, in 2019, an estimated one in eight people globally were living with a mental disorder. At the same time, the services skills and funding that were available to those that were suffering with mental health issues remained in short supply and still do and fall far below what is actually needed, especially in lower and middle income countries and communities. The COVID-19 pandemic as they were sharing this morning, created a global crisis of mental health. I mean, think about it. We were, we were isolated and, and fear, you know, sort of was the drink of the day. And, and not to say that there wasn't reason to be, to be fearful, but I mean, we were just consuming that. And 
fueling these short and long-term stresses and undermining the mental health ultimately of millions of people. I mean, we were just subject to it. And it was a fact of the times and some of us were glued to the television maybe more than others and um, and taking everything in depended on where you kind of fell in that scope of, of um, I think, fear. I think fear, as we've shared before on this podcast, sort of ran amok. amok. But um, there's a rise in anxiety and depressive disorders um, that happened, you know, at the onset of the pandemic. But I mean, it just continues. And then at the same time, like I was saying, mental health services have been severely disrupted and the treatment for that, there's a gap for mental health conditions and it's only widened in, uh, because of, of the pandemic and the consequences of it. Um, you know, I, I feel like there's, even though we have this day that's dedicated to it, I still feel like there's a lot of awkward stigma attached to it that prevent people from, from being open. And there's a really a wide range of what you might call or deem mental health issues, but it's when we just, you know, the bottom line is when we are not well in our person and for very good reason, um, it, it could be as clean cut and as simply diagnosed as stress and anxiety in our lives, just getting through a normal day and managing things where we can do it and we get through it, but we are often pushed, you know? Um, there's that, and then there's everything from that to quite debilitating situations. I um, I have had a heart for people in that um, predicament where they are just frozen. Years ago, it seemed to come upon me like a light switch was flipped. I had debilitating anxiety and or panic attacks. I know there's a differentiating um, term for each one, but they seem to sort of mesh for me. And on multiple occasions, I had very real physical symptoms that made me have to go to the hospital on more than one occasion. Like, I, I don't know, at least three. And um, one of them, I was out in a public place when it hit and uh, paramedics were called and I could not get myself under control. What I thought I needed to get under control. I felt my heart race. I felt funny. I thought I was going to faint. I just could not gather myself and... Uh, when the paramedics got there, sure enough, my blood pressure was through the roof. My pulse was through the roof. It was enough for them to go, yeah, we're taking her in. And that was just one of a, a like I said, a small handful of times. It was so real. 
I'm not, I, I guess even saying it that way, it makes me feel like I'm getting ready to say, I just really thought it was real. No, it was real. It was, there was something happening to my body that I am positive originated in my mind. And it, I was not in a stressful situation prior to it happening. As a matter of fact, every time I ever had any issue, whether it took me to the emergency room or not, there was not anything going on immediately that would have dictated that or triggered it. It came up seemingly, seemingly out of nowhere and gripping and... You know, and, and, and to some degree debilitating. Like there were things that I thought that might have been like, like I, I wouldn't go on um, escalators. I still have a little hard time doing that because there was just some funny trigger that I thought was happening with escalators or I would go around long ways. I did, you know, like some of it would seemingly be claustrophobic kind of things. And that was just like a small, thin string attached to the greater ball of twine that I was dealing with. You know, and and I think it's very natural for people to look for what's causing this. What's the problem? What is going on with me when you're faced with this sudden, uh, you know, sometimes almost indescribable feeling that you're going to die? And... All of that to say, I have had my history with it. And I, I will say I was turned on to, uh, no, it was, uh, let me, I'm sorry. Let me tell the story. I just remember what it was. <laughs> uh, I was sitting up late at night watching you know, the infomercials and a, a series came on called Attacking Anxiety, kind of a play on words, like anxiety attack. And... Um, you can Google it. It is still a thing. And it was back when cassette tapes were a thing. I know. Old. I'm old. And um, they were just phasing out, though. The, the, the CD and DVD were right there. It's just, I just want to make, make sure you understand. Um, old, but not that old. So um, I went through that program, and it was more or less... I don't want to diminish the very thoughtful and research-based information that was delivered. But at the end of the day, it was recognizing, one, I'm not alone. Two, I'm not going to die. And here are some things that you can do in the moment hearing them from other people. And it was just kind of walking through that. It was all, there was also a, a stress relieving exercise and, but really mostly it was just saying, Hey, you are not alone. And right away that hacked off a good top portion of the whole entire enchilada for me, because knowing that I was not one weirdo in this definition, um, but I, it was very real. Other people went through it. Right, it. right then, even as I say it right now, it just felt like, oh, okay, okay. Um, I also knew that 
like my pituitary and things have been exasperated by this mind that I have. And that tends to be a characteristic of people that might, not straight across the board, um, but that might um, be challenged with uh, anxiety and depression is that there's an active mind that is processing and overthinking and the health of that mind then can be compromised. Just like if we were to run too hard and fast and hit the ground a little awkwardly out of our urgency of running, we might sprain an ankle and the health of the ankle or the shins or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm trying to create kind of a a metaphor there just to say this is a thing because of what we're doing in our minds and what happens in our minds. But I have a um, an empathy for folks, and I'm very aware of my own propensity to go there. I am very aware that the things that challenge me, whether it be depression or anxiety, I've not, <clears throat> not necessarily ever suffered with depression, but like I said, these very, very distinct anxiety or panic attacks, whether it be that or whether it be just the health of my life, and the choices that I make that I can look back to my thinking and say, mm, I know, I know I opened doors for this kind of challenge in my life by my thinking. I am not just a positive thinker, but um, I practice the choice of looking at what can be rather than looking at what isn't. And that makes a difference overall. But for those that are in the throes, of some of this. And particularly for some reason, I feel like God being in control as I see God is of all things, (coughs) excuse me. Um, my paths have crossed with some young girls, young ladies, young women that are struggling. And, um, through some training that I received just in sitting and listening, really not anything at all to, um, to give help to, <coughs> sorry, I have a tickle on my throat. Hold on for just one minute. <coughs> my bad. Forgive me. I bet that sounds horrible. Um, I'm going to take a little drink. I don't really want to stop and edit. So forgive me. All that to say, I, I, there, uh, I'll make mention of it at the end of the podcast, but I have been um, sitting with and listening to and just being a sounding board um, for anyone who wants to come to me for that. But for those in particular right now, it happens to be a group of young women. And I think maybe back when I was their age, I had struggled, you know, and didn't even realize that I was doing that. So it just seems very full circle for me to be able to do that. And I'll give you some information if you know of anyone who wants to reach out to me. <coughs> there, are, I, It's not completely free, but close to it. It really um, is as someone can pay on a, uh, on a sliding scale. But that being said, there are a couple of apps out right now that I think are one I have personal experience with, but the other um, I learned about uh, today and, and looked at it a little bit, um, researched it a little bit. 
And this one, the one that they were speaking of on the Today Show is for teens. I don't even want to say that I have more dear friends and parents that have lost a teen to suicide and that was struggling with mental health <clears throat> and they were just unaware. Um, I am not saying at all that this app is a cure-all, but it's a has some great research behind it. <clears throat> it is called RX Well. RX like the prescription RX and W-E-L-L. Um, it is geared towards people 16 to 22 years old. And it does, it does address things in real time, such as relaxation, meditation, how to tolerate stress. And then there's an option even to speak then with a mental health coach. They were quoted today as even saying that essentially the coaches help them, they meaning some of the folks that have used the app, that help them set goals, provide feedback. You know, there's nothing worse than feeling stuck. And I think that is also a thing, right? Even if we don't acknowledge it consciously, subconsciously. So someone they're walking through, helping them set goals, help them to recognize when their symptoms are worsening. Uh, there was a doctor who spoke, um, I can't pronounce her last name, but she's uh, the Associate Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. And she said that youth reported that when they interacted with the behavioral health coach, they found it to be a better clinical experience than... <clears throat> maybe showing up for appointments for psychiatrists or what have you. That was sort of the essence of what she said. There were, I don't know, like somewhere near 500 people prescribed to the app. Um, and it was affiliated with 35 different pediatric practices. 58% um, actually used the app. 63% messaged their coach. And the findings indicated that the app users experienced a significant reduction in anxiety and depression. Um, at somewhere near uh, like the one month mark, uh, maybe as long as even three months mark. And I just think this is fantastic. I mean, that age group anyway is they are, their phone is attached to their hand so they are just always with it. And it it's like speaking their language in and delivering it in a way that resonates with them with a little bit of separation. You know, it's very intimidating, I'm going to guess, to sit down with a professional in a clinical setting. And this is just something to stand in the gap. Again, I don't have any personal experience with it. I want to make sure that I say that. But it is definitely something to check into if you're listening to this podcast, if you are someone from the age, loosely 16 to 22 ishy, give or take, and you are struggling, go check it out. RX well, RX capital W E L L. Then there is another app that I am experienced in because I have used it myself, actually, 
Um, it's called the Nero cycle. And as I mentioned at the onset of this podcast, that I am very much aware that my mind is where everything begins and, and, and sometimes ends and sometimes never gets started. But there are patterns and things and what have you that I have, we all can create. And, um, this NeuroCycle app, it's designed to help you manage stress, anxiety, depression, but even more so toxic, not more so, but, and in addition, toxic thinking. And it's really the first ever brain detox app. Super cool. I'm very familiar with the, um, the doctor that's responsible for this material. Her name is Dr. Leaf. I've mentioned her before. Carolyn, I believe, Leaf. Uh, I've mentioned her on my podcast. Go check her out. But the NeuroCycle uses her scientifically researched stuff. And it's a five-step process that helps you sort of essentially take back control over your thoughts and thus your life. Um, It's been scientifically demonstrated to help manage and reduce anxiety, depression, and mental ill health. They say, based on their research and who they're tracking, by up to 81% of their peeps, of the people that are, that, that are going through this. Essentially, the nuts and bolts of the program is that Dr. Leaf guides you through these five steps, and she chooses a 63-day period. She explains that, giving you specific instructions and tips that take you through each day. So it's checking in um, and just sort of doing what she tells you to do, pretty much. This program is also designed to help you overcome, which I'm not struggling with that right now, but anxiety, stress, and depression, along with those toxic thinking by getting to the root of everything. There's a process in which she helps identify um, that toxic thought and the habit that might be causing that mental health issue. And then she kind of helps you reconceptualize that root. So kind of going in and for lack of a better term, digging that thing out and planting something else in its place. You know what I mean? Um, and in, in doing that, there's a rebuilding of a new thought pattern and habit to change behavior. You know, I've had to stop and start this app and, you know, I'm not, the best at follow through, but when you build upon one day on the next and you start to see that tethering, um, that happens, it does make you want to come back. You know what I mean? Um, she's been featured, um, in L Vogue, mind, body, green, MSN, bulletproof, well good, next luxury. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf, I think that's what I said her name is. I'm positive. Um, She is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with a master's and PhD in communication pathology. And 
a bunch of other things to her, <laughs> to do her credit that kind of fall in line with that. But she, um, since like the early 1980s, she has studied and researched the mind-brain connection and did some of the initial research back in the late 80s showing the neuroplasty of the brain. She's fascinating. And she's, there's a kindness about her. And, and you, there's, there's a trust, I think, just in listening to her, um, go look her up and, and, you know, read about her because she really is quite something. And the research is nothing to like shake, you know, shake a stick at, um, there were trials of course, but in the end, they saw these significant changes in their experimental groups on a cellular level, y'all. So it, it, it has evidence that this works. And <clears throat> you know what I mean? In this day and age, when, when we're hit with so much coming at us, I just can't see why we wouldn't all want to just go and have a little bit of help. And I think there's uh, varying versions. There's a free version. Um, And then the more involved you want to get, then, you know, there's a subscription. But just um, go go check it out. It's NeuroCycle, N-E-U-R-O-C-Y-C-L-E. And, um, and then if you want to connect with me, what I've been doing is titled, I think officially, um, Spiritual Direction, but that sounds awful spiritual. And though, it, you know, I believe everything is um, at some point, uh, it really is um, a soul companion. That's what I like to call it. That soul to soul, not one educating another, not one leading another, not one diagnosing another, but just sitting with um, in a very human way. And that is... Uh, what I started doing last fall. And I seek it out myself. I have a soul companion or a spiritual director that it's a time just to release some thoughts and to be there. It's not a counseling session. It's um, certainly nothing where I am giving advice. It is a person in myself sitting with another person And sometimes I just think we need that, you know? And um, if there are financial restrictions, then it's free. And if there's the ability to pay as you can, then pay as you can. But I wanted to say that too. I know today marks it on a calendar, but this is an everyday thing. Every day that we're blessed for the sun to wake us is another day of living. And we long and hope, I'm sure you're in agreement, that those days of living are full of joy and full of reward and prosperous and hope-filled. But that is not always the case. We are humans and we carry with us the propensity to 
think deeply and to tread down paths that might bring us into momentary or maybe even in some cases severe states of anxiety and depression and toxic thinking. So on this World Mental Health Day, I say to you as my friends, let's take each other by the proverbial hand and walk this road together in whatever way we can help one another. Know that I love you very much and I thank you so much that you take this journey with me on the Terry Summers Podcast. Reach out to me if you're interested in anything I shared today. Share this podcast, like it, comment, um, do whatever you want. I appreciate your feedback and I care about you. That I can promise you, even if I don't know your name right now. I can promise you I care deeply. Take care of yourself. Until next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>